0: You're listening to the Sermon Cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. And now for this week's sermon. My adopted nephew Marquise is here today, and... Uh, um, and I'm kind of setting a stage here, but a year ago, God put on my heart to help this young man, to love him, you know, and uh, he was here trying to get uh, reconnected with his, his two children and uh, uh, fighting a custody battle and some other stuff going on, and he had a long way to go, and it was a big hill, And uh, but he hung in, and the Lord answered his prayer um, as of, what, last month? He got full custody of his children. Yeah. So... Through all the mistakes and the missteps and everything else, God still answered His prayer. And by no means do we have to be perfect for God to answer our prayers. You know, by no means do we have to know it all and have it all dressed right, dressed before the Lord steps up and answers our prayer. Because the bottom line is that He loves us, and uh, Palm Sunday is kind of the starts the culmination of God's love, His grace, and His mercy towards us. Um like I said before every time I get ready to preach I got about 3 hours worth of stuff packed into this fat head of mine and I got to decide what's the Lord's going to direct me to talk about. So what I really want to talk about is um uh, setting the stage so we can have the right perspective on what was exactly going on during this time period. Um you want to put up the first uh, scripture so this is Zechariah. Yeah, what is that, man? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, our king is- your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Five hundred years. Think about it. 500 years before Palm Sunday. Bam. That was written. This is provable and verifiable. Okay. It's not something that's made up. The Old Testament was written a long time before Jesus. Correct. We're Bible believing Christians. We must believe historically that this is true. Otherwise everything falls apart for us. So, we believe this is true. This is what Zechariah had to say about the Lord. So, what are the odds? What are the odds that Jesus could have concocted this amazing conspiracy with other people to have this happen exactly as it was written? I don't know. (laughs) This is pre-Hollywood. They couldn't have put it together in a studio. So, when we read that, we have to say... Jesus was fully God and fully man. Because for... There's like 89 books in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all speak of this, right? Four books talk about Jesus' life prior to these three and a half years. 29 books talk about this event. 29 books of the Bible. So this... A third of everything written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and and John, talk about Jesus and this, because this is important, but how did it all come about? I mean, think about all the things that were going on, and what's really amazing is Jesus is the instigator. And think about the couple of different crowds of people and what's actually going on. This is the time of Passover. So for 500 years, well, after the Exodus, you know, that's what they're celebrating. Can, now, some of us have been in church life for a long time. I can say 50 years for me. You know, 50 years. And I think that's a long time. How many Easter's have you been to? In this time period. Did it become a little mundane? I mean really when I think back. Buying a new suit was probably the culmination of Easter for me. (laughs) And I got a new one for next week. I generally only buy suits once a year. Or twice a year. New Year's and Easter. But uh, God put a plan in place for us. Because he loves us. But he also knew we needed a real solid example of what we can expect in this life. Jesus lived his life as a man. Think about it. When he was 12, he was ready. Remember he got lost when they, you know, went on their pilgrimage. And like, hey, where'd you think I'd be? I'm in the house of the Lord. But, but God set him up perfectly to be the savior and the king of glory set him up perfectly all the prophecies being from the line of david both parents so there could be no dispute see because jesus was battling against a few different types of people right so in this little area where he was ministering for three and a half years has anybody heard of john g lake john g lake had a healing ministry in the 30s he was in spokane you know what's distinctive about john g lake in this ministry this is verifiable spitting facts here not opinions spokane washington during the time that john g lake was ministering was the healthiest place on earth what do you think about this area when jesus was there People were coming to this place because they knew something spectacular and amazing was going on. So setting the stage. There were a lot of people coming in now. And guess what else? Guess who lived in Bethany? Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead on the fourth day. It's enough to have somebody maybe fall out right here and we do some prayer and then they get up. Oh, well, they just fainted. You know, there was a lot of that going on where people say, ah, you know, I don't know about three days in the grave. What they say when they rolled the stone away? Oh, Lord. Hey, hey, he, he's going to stink. There's some rot going on there. And Jesus said, no, I'm just doing this for y'all. So, you know, I'm God. But also he never said anything. Because he always said, my time hasn't come. When he heals somebody, hey, keep that on the down low. You know, ain't ain't time yet. But you know how people are. They keep talking. But Jesus had a pure and unadulterated vision of what he was supposed to do. He submitted himself to God to fulfill the promise to us. He was fully man, though. So we see where he shows frustration He shows sorrow. He shows almost an unwillingness to go die. This death, right? But in the end, he's like, not my will, God. Your will be done here. Because I love them. Everybody loves a hero. My wife's favorite movie, Armageddon. You know, Bruce Willis is up there and he's getting ready to let go of the bomb. He's going to die. You know, and he makes this great speech, and it's all so heartwarming, and she's crying, and I'm handing her napkins. You know, but we love that stuff, right? We love a hero. So the expectation was Jesus was going to come in and conquer the Romans because they hated the Romans. They hated being subject to the Romans. So you've got a group of people that are, Caught up in the hype of just having a celebrity around like Jesus. They don't really know what's going on, but hey, wow, this fantastic stuff's happening. Then you have a bunch of people that are, well, you have his disciples, his people. Not just the 12, but other people that have been following him around, tending to his needs. I mean, the true believers that Jesus was the Christ. You have uh, the people that just wanted to hang out and see Lazarus. Say they saw, touched, and felt the, the guy that was raised from the dead. But they still didn't really believe in Jesus as Christ. Then you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders. And they were just mad because he was stealing their thunder. They were, they were just haters. And it's sad because they knew the word. But Jesus didn't fit the bill. See what I'm saying? Jesus wasn't quite the guy that they expected. You know, I think they were looking for Thor or somebody and they got Jesus. So they were disillusioned. You ever been disillusioned about something? You ever expected something to happen and it just totally didn't happen the way you expected it to? That leads to some bitterness, some anger. People leave the church for that stuff. You know, because they just didn't quite get it. And so during this whole time, Jesus is talking to his disciples about, he's talking to them in parables, he's telling them stuff, you know, important things. He's telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. He's telling them, and he's telling them to be ready. What's T.D. Jack say? get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, because he's trying to make them understand where the kingdom of God lies. See, he knows they're confused. He knows he tells them what they're going to do. They are all going to fall away. Every single one of them. Do we judge them? Yes, you do. Stop it. <laughs> I judge him. Man, you telling me you hung out with Jesus for three and a half years. You watched all the stuff he was doing and you decided that, well, I just don't know. Stop it. Stop it. Because we if we're not overly influenced by the Lord and his word, we will be overly influenced by the world and its word you know so we need to digest the scripture i always talk about the word i'm a bit of a bible geek i like it it speaks to me i understand it i get that i'm a little different some people just don't like to read whatever doesn't matter i'm in a relationship with jesus christ so i need to get to know him a little bit better because he knows me quite well you know he knows me quite well i'm surprised he still wants to hang out with me you know uh, truly truly i'm a mess in here it's a But and speaking of bees, Jesus, Jesus just kicked the hornet's nest. Boom. Because they came out and they came after him. And they're trying to say, hey, well, you know, what about this? Well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the scripture. How insulting would that be to a theologian? You got to understand what's really going on here. When you dig into the scripture, it's like being a minor. I mean, I come off of reading some of this stuff and I come out of my office. and I'm just like, whoa, man, Maureen looking at me. Are you okay? No. God's smacking me around again, you know. But how many times have you read certain portions of Scripture, say 20 years ago, and then you read them today, and you're like, what? Why didn't I get that? You know? Well, there's a maturity that goes along with our Christian life, just like there's a maturity that goes along with our regular adult human life. We call it adulting. And it stinks. I would love to have somebody taking care of me. Actually not, because I'm stubborn and annoying like that. So, But I'm just saying... We need to become adult Christians and start eating the meat of the word and understanding what it actually means. Because if 90% of our life is centered around the world and the worldly things that we do, job, you know, entertainment, all the stuff that overwhelms us, our phone, you know, I'd be ashamed. I do use my phone for work, but I'd be ashamed of my screen time sometimes. It's like sit back relax and digest what's really going on in your life right here right now that's what jesus was trying to get them to understand i'm going to tell you what's going to happen and then it's going to happen when i get back and show you that it happened then you're going to get it is there any shame in that is there any shame in that when i was a child i thought like a child but when i became a man i put away childish things jesus no, these are children But when the revelation of the deity, of the man that had been serving for three and a half years, they realized this is truly God and my perspective's wrong. Because he's not talking about now. He's talking about then. You will be with me in paradise. This life is nothing. It really is nothing. It's a proving ground for those who will serve the Lord in eternity forever. Boom. End of story. So let's not get sidetracked, because Jesus really told us, when he spoke against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the one thing that he always emphasized was, when they came and asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now the disconnect can come in between those two things. I can love God, kind of. I can love others. But sometimes we don't love ourselves very well. You know, I never really thought about that verse when he put them together. But a lot of us struggle with the stuff between these two ears, right? A lot of us, between our heart and our mind, we, we struggle to really apprehend God. Some guy, I, I know he's uh, he doesn't believe in God at work, you know, and he made some comment about God and why he does this and stuff. I said, And I was in the back of the room, I said, well considering the fact that you don't know anything about God and that you can't even comprehend God because we can barely comprehend ourselves and our consciousness and what we're thinking about, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I can talk to him like that, and yes, I did say that because we have that kind of relationship. But hey, man, if you're going to start throwing rocks at my God, hey, I can, I can, psh, you can take that back, buddy. You know, Because as a Christian, for all the years I've been a Christian, I'm barely scratching the surface of understanding and knowing and comprehending God. Let's not bring God down to us. Let's reach up to God. You know, don't make things that are spectacular and amazing mundane. Don't make coming to church mundane and usual. This is wonderful. This is the highlight of my week to come here and see. I've been here almost 20 years and I've known some of you 20 years And you know what? I love you and you love me because we've proven it in our relationship. I'm not a tourist. Don't come to church late, leave early, and don't talk to nobody. You're a tourist. You're not part of the family. We want you in our family. Okay? I was adopted into this family by a wonderfully gracious pastor who loved me. And he changed my life with his kindness. I want to... Change changed Marquise's life with his kindness, changed the future of his children. See, Jesus Christ came, and through mercy and love and understanding, he changed the course of human history. The Bible is still the best-selling book in the world. So get rid of your religion. It's useless. Jesus is about facts, not about ceremony. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a little kingdom built up for themselves. See, because in the Jewish tradition, as a Gentile, I just had this place, say, on the backside of the parking lot of the temple where I could hang out. Because I couldn't get in there as a non-Jew. And then if you were a female Jew, you'd get a little closer. And if you were a man, you'd get a little closer. And if you was a high priest, you'd get a little bit closer, but only once a year. And then they tie bells around you just in case you fell out in there, they'd have to they tie a rope to you and drag you out because the presence of God was something amazing. How did we make the presence of God something not amazing? You know, how am I standing up here preaching the word of God? Holy cow. That's a miracle in and of itself. You know, but God is good, so I ain't gonna question him. I was telling I was telling my wife last night, you know, um, and I'm gonna share this because it struck me as profound. And beautiful, and encouraging. That after Steve got surgery, he called me. And he said, "Brother Vernon, I'm scared. I'm scared, man." I said, "Well, brother, let's pray." I sent him some scripture, but that's not about. It's just that he called me to minister to him. Just think about that. When somebody calls you because they need you that you've impacted their life and i never thought of it that way sometimes we don't really think about it the right way jesus was on a mission it was his time Remember all he said, oh, it's not my, not my time yet. And, and and what's funny is, here's where we come into play. Because we would qualify as disciples, because we come to the house of God all the time. We worship, and we pray, and we love Jesus. But, what well, the sons of Zebedee, what were they doing? Well, Jesus, I know you're talking about all that crucifixion stuff, you dying and all that stuff. But I, we just want to know. Yeah, can a brother get the seat next to you in heaven? Wow. Wow. Right? Really, wow! Right, they're right there. They're in the middle of it. He's he's telling them all kinds of stuff, but why don't they get it? He told them everything that Peter told them everything that was going to happen. Man, I ain't doing that, Lord. I'm with you until I'm not. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? right. <laughs> and and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The last time Jesus interacted with them, you know, that's when they decided they was going to kill him, and they were going to kill Lazarus too funny kind of sounds like politics of today right yeah. you know cancel culture they were trying to cancel these guys because they were stealing their thunder they were jesus was making the priesthood irrelevant he was making the teachers of the law irrelevant you know why because he was taking them directly to the lord you're not going to get in my way from my relationship with god you're not going to get in the way of my relationship with jesus christ you know why because i have this And I have the Holy Spirit inside me telling me what's true and what's not. And then I have the community of believers to share with as we can talk through these ideas to strengthen the entire body. And then I can go directly to the Lord. Interesting note. On Monday before the Passover is when they start choosing the lambs for the Passover. So Jesus... Following the scriptures, goes in, he has this triumphal entry. So you got all these people. You got this massive crowds of people. Everybody's coming to Jerusalem for Passover. It's a celebration. It's huge. So there's way more people in town. And these guys, they know some things. Some people know more than others. But the crowd's like, yeah, rah, rah, rah. You know, they get them all whipped up and they're laying down. So the true believers, I believe, are the ones that were shouting Hosanna. Psalms 118, 22. Killing me, man. Killing me. <laughs> the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. So, David, about 5 or 6 BC, wrote this. So, they rejected Jesus, but he is the foundation by which we are all saved you know don't let anybody take that from you we have to become a little bit bolder about our faith bolder about we can't be canceled because out there is a great word for today misinformation fake news all that good stuff Um, example uh, talking about these crowds but by Friday what are they yelling? yelling crucify them wait a minute wait a minute Hosanna Our king has come. Kill him. Give us that criminal, what was that fool? Barabbas. Barabbas. I was thinking. And And also, on his way from Jericho, guess who Jesus had healed before the triumphal entry? Blind Bartimaeus. And what was he crying? Son of David, have mercy on me. Now think about this. Think about what Jesus is doing. He's got a lot on his mind. But his mercy never fails. He never, his mercy never ends. And all he wants us to do is do the same thing. All he wants us to do is do the same thing. Mentor and educate your friends in the Lord. Right? Non-believers. Be so kind to them they can't help but see Jesus in you lessen your own personal concerns because you're okay. They called me other last week, and uh, uh, so, hey, we want to schedule your hip surgery. For those that don't know, i got to get a hip replacement. But uh, a month ago now, I came up here. They laid hands on me. And because my specific prayer was, God, lessen my pain. I was in so much pain, I could only work three or four hours. You guys know I sell cars. I walk a lot. So... It was really debilitating and depressing. I found myself crumbling, crumbling, six months of just stupid pain, uh, you know, and, and God touched me, touched me. I've been able to work four or five days a week now, all day. Now, when I get off work, I got some pain, but trust me, it's a six or seven, not a 12. God answered my prayer. And he's no respecter of persons. Last time I checked. You know, so we have to invest ourselves in the word, but we also have to invest ourselves in a little study, you know, get a little deeper, chew on the meat of the word because it's enriching to us as we start to understand what God's really doing. Because if you really don't believe it, you don't believe it. You can act like you do. There's a lot of places where we act like we might believe something, but we really don't. Your behavior, your actions tell it all. The disciples action told it all after Jesus came back and was glorified and they saw and their eyes were open and the Holy Spirit came in. See, until they got the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't know what did Jesus said to Paul. The Holy Spirit revealed this to you. Right. See, three and a half years. Think about it. Well, I wouldn't have no problem believing. Because we got the, the beginning, the middle and the end of the story. Right. We got the facts. We don't have to wait 500 years. They had the facts. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had the facts. But they chose not to believe it because it wasn't the way they wanted it. How many things in your life are not the way you want it, and maybe it's God protecting you from yourself? Well, as you say, careful what you wish for, you might get it. I've been there a couple of times, trust me. My wife can smirk and snicker at me because she knows... Thought I was being smart, being dumb. It's okay. God is good. His mercy endures forever. I want to encourage you today. I didn't want to just talk about Palm Sunday. I want to talk about, you know, what Jesus did. Read those scriptures. Read what, understand what he's really saying, doing, and going through. Imagine how much stress and you have to be under the sweat blood. You know? a person in the right frame of mind does not want to commit suicide a person in their right frame of mind does not want to go into a burning building but a hero who says if i don't go into that burning building somebody might die and i value life value your life we have a death culture now we have a death culture they talk about abortion they talk about assisted suicide now oregon changed the law so you don't even have to be a resident to come there and commit suicide. Speak life. Jesus spoke life. In in death, he spoke life. Speak life to each other. Speak life to each other. Dig into the word of God. Get outside your comfort zone and start touching other people's lives for the glory of the Lord. Jordan Peterson says, think about the best thing you can do and set about doing it. I am more miserable when I don't serve others than when I do. You know, So church, in this transition time, don't lose faith. Our pastor died. Their pastor died. But he lives through this word. He lives through this word. He lives through us. I told Pastor Mike this morning... Looked him in the eye and I shook his hand and I said, I just want you to know I'll serve you just as hard as I serve pastor. And I will accept you as a leader, the spiritual leader of this house until something changes, because this is my house. This is my family. This is my community. And I truly, truly love to come in here and see every face and get every hug because we are strong together. We're strong together. Don't go away. Don't go away don't go away this is the only thing that's kept me through this last couple years the only thing my wife's giving me the look the pastor used to give me see she, she gets off work at midnight and i think we set up to what 1 one thirty. yeah so she, she's doing the, she's bobbleheading right now so i gotta get her out of here thank you for the opportunity to speak you today um Understand that Jesus did a tremendously amazing thing as you as we get towards Good Friday and and Easter. Remember, read through those those chapters. The richness of what Jesus was saying—he's given us a picture of how the world should be. We just need to love and serve each other, and whatever else is going on, I got no control of that. You know what I'm saying? I control what you can control. Somebody, oh, what do you think is going to happen in the church? I don't know. Nobody's asking me, so I'll just wait and see what happens. And praise the Lord, either way. Don't let this be about personalities. Don't let this be about emotions. Don't let this be about anything but serving the house of the Lord. Okay? Things change. Guess what? We're all dying. Okay? How we go out is up to us. You know, we can go through the gate, or we can hang out with them other people we don't want to hang out with i believe in eternity i believe that i am a divine being created by the almighty god of the universe and i believe that i am too fantastically and too wonderfully made for this to be it right because that would just be april fools every day thank you again i'm gonna pray heavenly father god we praise you today as we enter into the time where your glorification start is going to happen And has happened, Lord. And we celebrate you today. And we celebrate your word. And we celebrate the fact that you have us. That you have us. That you earned the right to have us. And not one single one of us will be snatched from your hand. Let us get about loving others as we love ourselves. Let us get outside of ourselves and trust you to give us the means and the ways to expand your kingdom. Because I believe it is the best kingdom. Strengthen us as we go today, Lord God. Help us through our week. Help us to be thoughtful and prayerful for you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.